We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, welcome to another BuzzBeat. Thanks for joining us today again for another episode. This is Richie, and we are live on YouTube, and I'll be joined by Spencer, we haven't seen in a while, Brian, and we've got a fun episode lined up for you guys as we will be predicting which Hornets players would hypothetically finish the highest in some of these end-of-season voting awards. So, Spencer, how's it going, bud? Pretty good. Can't complain. Um, still on a little bit of a, a emotional hangover from the primetime Carolina Panthers disappointment last night. Um, Brian and I were, were just kind of bantering about it, though. I'm not worried about Bryce long term. I think he's going to be fine. Uh, but yeah, this roster is a mess and the injuries are piling up. So, uh, but I am good. I am very happy that fall is upon us. Number one, uh, the weather has finally gotten a little bit more mild. You get football back and what? We're within a month, just a little over a month until we get Hornets basketball on a team that for a team that I think has a chance to be a little bit frisky. I think it may be out, out, out kick their, uh, their expectations <laughs> a little bit. So, so I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. 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 It does. I don't know about you guys. I, I, if anyone, it would be y'all two or the people listening along here, but I did start to get the twins. This happens to me every like August, September, where I'm like, man, I, I could use like a February Hornets game right about now. Just some like eight point loss at Cleveland, you know, like I could just use I could use that with a post game pod coming after it, which is is like real sicko behavior. But I think if you've been doing this for long enough, uh, get something about habits like they're hard to kick. And so, yeah, I start I start kind of itching for it. Um, a little bit, and I think there's like enough new pieces. Plus, hopefully, a full you know with Lamelo and, and and Mark Williams, you know, hopefully a full season of those two guys playing together. It's like there's like enough stuff for even a bad, mostly irrelevant team. I think to sort of like get uh, relatively excited about. It's funny you mentioned outkicking the uh, expectations, Spencer, for the Hornets, but I feel like that was the same conversation that they had for the Panthers and. <laughs> A lot of people are just uh, losing their minds over this 0-2 start, so we'll, we'll see how that plays out. All right, so here's what we're going to be doing. Uh, we're going to be choosing one player, and I guess if you want to mention a honorable mention, we can do that as well, on the Hornets roster that would potentially, hypothetically, whatever you want to call it, finish the highest in the following end-of-season awards. We're going to go through the most improved player, defensive player, six-man of the year, the Hustle Award, which I didn't realize was an actual award, uh, and the Most Valuable Player Award. And we're going to go ahead and get started here and just kind of rattle off some names. I'm sure there's going to be several of these awards that we're probably going to have a consensus on, uh, but maybe there's some ones that are debatable. And we're going to start with the Most Improved Player most recent winner of this being Laurie Markkinen in Utah. And I think, you know, having that change of scenery probably helps some things. I will say that no Hornet has ever won this award. <laughs> and it's typically for players that obviously make drastic strides on the court. And it's not really designated for someone who's coming back from injury or maybe a suspension. There might be someone on the Hornets that, that fits that bill. But 
I, I think this was probably one of the more difficult ones that I had to predict. Uh, I think because you have to choose a player that number one will play, you know, a good amount of minutes and is going to get the spotlight on them. Number two, you have to have a player that has some gaps and maybe some room for improvement. So for this one, I, I debated between a couple of players and and maybe my thinking is just wrong on this, but I'm going with PJ Washington as the player on the Hornets that could be hypothetically the top player to receive most improved player votes. I think that his defensive versatility will continue to evolve. And I know that voters don't, don't necessarily look at the defensive side, but maybe some of those defensive metrics continue to swing in his favor. I think his on-ball offense will continue to take another step. He talked about in the media press conference when he re-signed about working on the mid-range shot. We saw what he did with the floater. And I still think he has room to grow as a rebounder, as a guy that can finish at the rim. And so I, I can kind of see it. I can see a world where P.J. Washington takes some steps. And I think, too, the, the three-point percentage went down last season. So if he can bump that back up to 38%, 39%, I think maybe voters would look, you know, favorably upon PJ. Yeah, I think PJ is a good a good bet for those reasons. Or at least again, I think I mean I think the preface being all these are gonna be deep, deep long shots for these awards. But yeah, I think PJ's an interesting pick for that. You saw some of the high posts, the elbow. They ran a lot of stuff through him as like a hub last season at the elbow, not just Mason Plumley as like a front court guy that was getting those kinds of touches. PJ got a lot last year and got to create off the dribble a little bit more and just was involved in a bunch of different ways offensively. It's been fun to sort of like go back and rewatch some of their games from last season and just sort of like remember PJ kind of did a little bit of everything for Charlotte. And that was kind of cool to see, especially after the really the 21, 22 season, like he just became such a like, you know, either pick and pop or spot up shooter, especially in that like small ball center role. And all of a sudden he started to get to do a little bit more last year including some inverted pick and roll four five pick and roll with him as the ball handler. But I, so I like PJ. I'm going to go LaMelo ball though. I do think this is an award that it does. Maybe I, I'm not sure. I can't remember all the the past winners of it. I did look up earlier. Devante finished fifth in the 2020 race for this uh, Devante Graham. You know, I do think guys who get considered for this at least are, can be all-star players, like young all-star type players that take that make a jump. You know what I mean? And I, I know, you know, you were just sort of talking, you touched briefly, Richie, on the injury factor, maybe not being something that gets baked into these awards all that much as far as the candidates go. But I just think last year, you know, LaMelo only played, you know, 30, 35 games. Um, it wasn't his best season by any stretch. He's young. He's really good. He's getting better. It's just like if he could play 75 games, make a jump, and the Hornets are like frisky and in playoff consideration or contention or whatever, then I could see him being a candidate for this uh, award as well. So I will say LaMelo Ball, assuming a full se- – but it just it's contingent on a full season of health, some growth as like a finisher, a pick-and-roll creator, just like a half-court offensive creator, and the team being, you know – around 500 and you know in the play-in uh situation i thought long and hard about both of these guys i I ultimately landed you know same as you richie uh, pj washington you know i think the the new contract certainly helps you know kind of feels like a fresh start here you know last year we saw some huge developments from pj one of you guys already mentioned it you know from the mid-range his floater kind of his in-between game just got a lot better last year yes the three-point percentage went down but Injuries last year, that roster was depleted. Career high usage, you know, effective field goal uh, percentage was down. I, I attribute a lot of that to just injuries. Like this, this roster really depended on PJ to score a lot, and he just wasn't ready for that kind of workload just quite yet. Assuming health is always a, a wild <laughs> and stretch assumption, right? We've learned that with the Panthers so far this year, and. You know, you date back to last year and, you know, Miles is gone for reasons that don't have to do with injuries and then LaMelo gets hurt. You know, so if we assume that we turn the clocks back, you know, clock back two years, two seasons, you know, PJ was he was really rapidly improving as a player uh, on both ends of the court. 
And I really think he's got a chance to be a 17, 18 points per game mm-hmm. type of player on some positive efficiency this year. I, I think you're going to see that three-point percentage tick back up. I think you're going to see that usage tick a little down. But I think uh, you're just going to see him be more effective on the offensive end from all sides of the floor. And, you know, bringing Miles Bridges back into the fold allows you to use a guy like P.J. Washington in a lot of very creative ways in a lot of different positions. Adding Brandon Miller into the rotation I think really benefits how you can use P.J. Washington as a small ball five or four, depending on your lineup. So I I just think he's going to have a really, really good season. Uh, And I would be remiss not to mention – Wow, what a contract for Charlotte. I I yeah, I kind of don't understand. I mean, I guess I understand like the money just dried up, it wasn't out there, but I did not expect this to be the finality to this situation. I thought he was gonna have to sign his qualifying offer and mm-hmm. effectively be uh, expiring again and just come in and which is a good deal for Charlotte, whatever. He'd come in motivated, try to get a new contract, but this is just a this is a sweetheart deal for the Hornets. I do kind of wonder, like, if Miles wasn't on the the qualifying offer for this season, if they the Hornets would have maybe even been from their end even more sort of like into doing that with PJ, but not wanting to basically have two guys on these like one year contracts turning into unrestricted free agents, you know, next off season. But really, the Hornets had all the leverage in in this too, like pretty obviously. So. You know, not not too surprised to see it play out the way it did. I think at times this summer I got like a little angsty, wondering when it was going to happen. But um, process worked out. And I mean, like for PJ, like he get he gets paid like a decent, you know, not amazing number, but a decent number, and like he gets to hit unrestricted free agency at twenty seven. So like in the prime of his career, and he gets to get a third contract. So like if he plays well, if this all goes well. You know, he gets to sign another contract that's eight figures, right? You know, so um, it can kind of work out for everybody. Um, and I guess the sort of the one trade off, you know, that PJ was able to get was that it's a three year deal um, as opposed to getting that fourth guaranteed year for uh, under team control. Yeah, the one other player that I did kind of consider for this award was Lamella Ball, Brian. And I, I also wonder sometimes, like, is this award more for some of the role players? Uh, I know that some of the star players do end up winning this, but a lot of times it feels like it's like, you know, Ryan Anderson, you know, just some <laughs> random player that yeah. wins, wins most improved. I, so I think it's, I guess there's a case just, just to nominally throw out like, cause second year guys, it's a little weird, you know, Nikaias Duncan and Steve Jones talk about this on the dunker spot, oh, yeah. just like considering second year guys for this award. Cause it's like, again, the criteria is a little nebulous, but second year guys, should be getting better and they'll probably be getting more playing time than they did the first year or whatever. But like Mark Williams is, you could just see him if he has a big year and he also starts 75 games or whatever, you know, and he, he's going to put up huge rebounding blocks, you know, field goal percentage numbers. If he does that, like, I don't really see him as, as like a candidate for this, but uh, given that his rookie season flew like a little under the radar, um, at least on a national level, I could see I could see like the possibility of it, though I would not uh, bank on it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, let's switch it over to the Defensive Player of the Year Award. I think this one, to me, was one of the easier ones for me to decide on. Um, maybe the second easiest of the the bunch. Mainly because, well, first off, there's not a lot of defenders on the Hornets to choose from, so you've got that narrowed down. But mainly because of the position. Like, when you look at the winners from this award, they are typically centers. You have exceptions like, you know, Marcus Smart or Kawhi Leonard, but it really takes a special season from, you know, Cody Martin to be considered a guy that's going to be up there to sway voters. So for that reason, I I do think that Mark Williams – would finish hypothetically the highest on the defensive player of the year award, the shot blocking, the pick and roll defense more nimble than, you know, you give him credit for. He uses his hands as a shot deterrent. He uses his hands as someone that takes away the pass off the switch. His steal percentage was pretty good for a big last season. So I think that's like, one of the bigger reasons why I'm leaning towards Mark is because he's a center, but maybe you could make the case for Cody Martin as, as one of the better defenders on this team. But, I, th- I think sometimes they just look at the steals, the blocks, like the, the counting numbers. And I think Cody Martin sometimes shows up in some of these statistics that aren't really like you know, flashy by any means. So do you guys have any thoughts about this in terms of which player you think would, would be the best candidate to kind of receive votes for defensive player of the year? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think you're right, Richie. I think Mark Williams, just history tells us like, yeah, he's a center. He has the best chance. But I was going to say Cody Martin. Okay. You know, the Hornets have him also on a new contract. You know, unfortunately, we really didn't get to see much of any of Cody Martin last year, but his defensive impact so far in his career has been consistently very, very solid. Um, I would be very, very surprised if he received one vote <laughs> for this award, <laughs> obviously, but like for the sake of being different, I think he has certainly the chance to be the most impactful defensive player on the Hornets. I mean, it's it, between him and Williams, you know, Nick Richards. Yes. Mm-hmm, in yeah. spot backup center minutes. I think he's got a chance to be very impactful for Charlotte too. But like, if we can get 70 to eight, you know, 70 to 75 healthy games out of Cody Martin, he's our best wing defender right now. There's no question about it. I mean, he, he has been a disruptor there, even a little undersized, but Although he's only 6'5", at least on paper, I I tend to think he's a little bit bigger than that. But he can slide up a position. He can slide down a position. I do expect Charlotte to use him in a lot of different lineups in a lot of different ways against dynamic wing scores this year. And I'm I'm expecting a good season out of Cody Martin. I mean, he's one of those guys at this point in his career, it's empty the tank on defense. He, he's he's the coordinator. He's the you know he's the middle linebacker, if you will, uh, on that end of the floor. I think he understands that role, and he plays that role for a team that needs it badly because we just don't have wing defenders. Really, we don't have dynamic wing defenders. So I, I I'm expecting a pretty pretty good defensive year from Cody Martin. Yeah, I mean the one other like you know dynamic or plus or semi plus wing defender they had they was Jalen McDaniel. They shipped him out at the deadline for basically nothing uh, halfway through or towards the end of last season to Philadelphia. Yeah, I think I know we didn't touch on Cody during the most improved player, you know, conversation, but he does seem like in line for a bounce back year. Who knows if there's some sort of like sibling rivalry after seeing his undrafted brother have the huge playoffs for (laughs) Miami. Um, And also Cody got paid like last summer too. So I'm sure he like wants to, try to live up to the four year, $32 million deal that he got a season ago. Like he can at least feel like some security in having that too. So Spencer's point about maybe him emptying out the bucket. Um, For me though, I I will join Richie in saying Mark Williams here. Um, Charlotte's like final third of the season improvement defensively, both in half court and in transition. There were a lot of people that played a role in that. Dennis Smith, Jr. JT Thor. PJ Washington, maybe even Gordon Hayward here and there, but but I think Williams was was really really good as a rookie center defensively. Um, during the last episode that Richie and I just recorded on Mark Williams, I at the end of it I read off some of his advanced metrics from the B Ball Index. Um, you know he was among the best post defenders in the league last season, among the best screen defenders in the league last season and he was among the best rim protectors 
in the NBA last season. And obviously he gobbled up rebounds at a, at a massive, massive rate. So it's like, if you can prorate that out, I mean, I know it's not like it's, you can't just like, you know, click and drag, but if you could prorate that out for, you know, him playing 28, 30 minutes a game or whatever, you know, whatever the rotation looks like between he and Richards platooning at the five, and then also have Williams play a full season then he could he could be like a very impactful defender despite despite the fact that he's not getting a lot of help from the guards and wings on the roster and he would be putting up the kind of like numbers that make make like um that make just sort of like people that cover the league like turn their heads like obviously we we watch all the hornets games the people listening to this pod watch all of them or most of them or whatever but for the you know the Sacramento beat writer that's voting for this or the Phoenix, you know, based writer that's voting for this, like Williams could conceivably have like big time rebound and blocks numbers, which would also make guys sort of, uh, like, you know, maybe can like dig deeper into his numbers or pay attention when he's on TV, you know, that type of stuff. And I also think there's just like low hanging fruit for Williams to get better. Like I think more reps working with Steve Clifford and then also just like him getting stronger would be something that would allow him to be a more threatening post defender and an even better like positional rebounder too. So I'll say Williams, like if it's not this year, I do think at some point in his career, he has the chance to be like considered for this award. This is probably too pre like a little premature, but I'll go ahead and say Mark Williams best shot as far as current players on the roster. Did you guys give any thought to uh, Neela Kina at all? Did that cross your mind? <laughs> Frankie yes, Smokes. Frankie Smokes, of course. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, no, Frankie Smokes, Cody Martin for, for uh, yeah, that's the ticket I'm voting for. It's uh, a great, year. that's a good, that's a good poll. Like he can, he really can heat up the ball and defend. So he probably deserves at least the tip of the cap. It's just, uh, I also, I, this isn't like a pushback on, on, on Neela Kina. I just, I do kind of get the feeling that like, like I think Marcus Smart totally deserved to win Depoy two seasons ago, but there subsequently there's been so much. I do think there's been like legitimate blowback from some people that cover the league that think that have sort of like made their case for hey big guys by you know these advanced metrics they're more impactful defenders. We really shouldn't be giving this thing to a perimeter defender unless it's like so exceptional. I don't. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading into that like a, a small sample of like potential voters or media members a little too much. I could potentially see some people like overcorrecting on votes and really like leaning more towards the Jaron Jacksons, the Rudy Gobert's, just like the yeah, the special front court defenders as being the guys that like are more strongly considered for this award, whether that's like right or wrong. Um, and to be clear, like I I thought it was awesome that Smart won it two years ago. So not knocking that i just i could see that being something that like feeds into how this award is viewed uh, at least for the next few seasons all right the third award six man of the year I, I think this one's tough because because clifford really could configure the starting rotation in like mm -hmm. three to four different ways yep, so it's yep. it's more of like who do you think is going to be coming off the bench so I'm gonna. I think I have a far-fetched one or one that seemed kind of out there, maybe being a little bit different. So I'm gonna hold off on mine. Hopefully you guys don't take this one, <laughs> Spencer. I'll let you. I'll let you lead off. Who do you think, you know, potentially could be sixth man of the year? We keep saying potentially, like these are hypotheticals here. But go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now I really struggled with this one. Uh, so you nailed it, Richie. I mean, when you really start looking at all the different options Clifford's gonna have with his starting unit, it, it's it's exciting. Again, this is, is one of the main reasons I think this team has a chance to be kind of frisky is that they're just deeper uh, than we're used to. I'm going to say Gordon Hayward. Like, yeah. I, I, I just – I think that he – if it was up to me – now, I'm not Steve Clifford, and this is probably not the decision he's going to make, but I think Gordon Hayward is well-suited to come off the bench. Like, I just – putting Brandon Miller in that situation – or putting Terry Rozier in that situation, I just don't think is advantageous for the team or the individual. Uh, and I think Gordon Hayward can come in and quarterback whatever kind of unit you can cobble next to him and be competent. Now, I understand. I can hear it now. You're paying a guy $32 million to come in, you know, to be your sixth man and, and pay 22 minutes. Like, whatever. It's it's a yeah. sunk cost at this point. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. Uh, so I, I – 
And I think that Hayward would, number one, I think he would take that role on um, proudly. I think he'd do a nice job with it. I think that if you're Gordon Hayward right now, you can look yourself in the mirror and look at the roster you're on and say, this is my time to kind of be the the mentor, the growing up in the room, if you will. And so I think, like, honestly, this is the kind of situation if I'm Hayward, I look at and I'm like, man, I could really value myself. Like I could increase my value pretty quickly across the league, playing a role like this and maybe scratch out one more long-term contract in the NBA. So, yep. so that's my vote. And the more I think about it, I'm pretty excited about this for Charlotte. Agreed. I have Gordon Hayward as well. I think there's a couple different guys you can make these sort of like outsidery cases for. Um, back in the 21-22 season, when Charlotte was like trying to hold together um, a play-in or a playoff spot, Hayward was hurt. They shifted the starting lineup to LaMelo, Rozier, Bridges, PJ, and Mason Plumley. And when Hayward was, you know, maybe eyeing a potential return, the one of the ideas I floated at the time was bring Hayward back as the sixth man. Like let him quarterback the second unit because because that starting five was playing pretty well. It's like let Hayward come back, let him play in some hybrid lineups, let him coordinate and organize the second unit. Um, as both a pick and roll ball handler, a screen setter, a post up guy, um, it made a lot of sense to me. And I think it's also something that Richie floated during this past season as well. Like Hayward as a potential, you know, in some sort of like you know when altering rotations around, maybe moving Hayward to that six man role. So it's something that like on this pod, like we've kicked the tires on this a few different times now, um, and now it seems like uh, perhaps even like the logical progression because i could see charlotte starting you know um lamello rosier um you know mark williams they seem like locks and then like you get some combination of like martin uh bridges pj you know and so all of a sudden like you could just see them starting that and then you know maybe you start with a little bit more uh, defense, and then you could with Cody. So then you can bring Hayward in off the bench, depending again, depending on how you're building out that lineup. Um, like I, I see it as like a like a re, like a legit possibility. And I I love Spencer's point about Hayward's of what he's 31, 32, somewhere in there now. Like I know he has the injury concerns, but like when healthy, he's still like a very useful player. And it would be awesome for him to think that like yeah, like look in the context of Charlotte he has the ability to be a top two or three guy, you know, a top two or three offensive player on the roster or whatever. But if he wants to play on a team that has a chance to like win games, I think he should be considering like his role going forward to be like a super sub. And and that's easier said than done. You know what I mean? But look, this guy's made an all-star game. He's made a ton of money playing in the NBA. Like he's got some acclaim. He's got a ton of cash. Like, he, if he wanted to prove himself to a contender, yeah, this this would be a good opportunity for him to say like, no, 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 like I I can play sixty games and carry a second unit offense. I spot start, like I close some games. Um, I'm still you know still a very useful offensive player. So like I think there's kind of a prove it component to it as well. I don't imagine Terry Rozier coming off the bench, but I guess there's some world where like. Clifford opts to start Cody Martin at the two next to LaMelo and Rozier just becomes like the bench gunner. But like, I really don't, I really don't like him in in that role all that much to be totally honest with you. But I think there's that and he would put up points. Like he's sort of like to an extent he fits like the archetype of like the like six man, you know, combo guard bench scorer. I think PJ has the, has the potential to sort of do it. Like I think that would be very contingent on like the Hornets, being good and him putting up being like an efficient offensive player, solid defensively. And I think, I think it would be really contingent on the Hornets, like winning a lot of games. So he'd be sort of like helping them win and close games down and, and just be like a, you know, coming in and oh the starters play better when PJ's in, you know, like that kind of stuff. And I guess there's like outside shots for like Nick Richards and Cody Martin, but no, I'll go for, if I'm going to make my case, I'll go with uh, Gordon Hayward. Interesting. None of you guys mentioned my guy. I, I'm, you know, even though I suggested that Gordon Hayward come off the bench in this scenario that I'm getting ready to speak about, he doesn't come off the bench. So this one might seem far fetched, but I'm going to go with Miles Bridges. I, I think there's a world where Bridges doesn't play the first 10 games 
And the Hornets just kind of keep that going, like in terms of just like helping him build up his stamina. He's on a one-year contract, so there's not a lot of certainty involved with him. Maybe he's used as the super sub off the bench, and they just stagger his minutes, you know, with the starters. He gets closing minutes in most games. You know, we saw what he did um, two seasons ago. That was his best season. All the unassisted uh, buckets that he got, he improved on his playmaking. And I think that typically, you know, if he can replicate that, he'll probably get starter minutes. But I, I do see a world where he does come off the bench and they just stagger him a lot. So, again, I, like I said, I, I did suggest that that Hayward comes off the bench, but like, there could be a case where he stays and Miles Bridges is the one that is is the one that comes off the bench. So it's it's certainly not crazy and and it's a big mystery how Charlotte will use Miles Bridges, especially early in the season, right? For all the things that you just mentioned. Um, I think he's gonna add a ton uh of utility to this team. I just think he's a better fit with the starting unit for multiple reasons. But I wanted to mention two more things. Number one, you know, and Brian started to touch on this, but you know, Gordon Hayward coming in and kind of helping quarterback that second unit, I think is could could become very, very quickly a natural fit for him at this point in his career. And number two, like there's always two to three to four desperate teams contending every year. Yes, $32 million expiring is very difficult to move. But if kind of the scenario BG and I were talking about comes to fruition, I wouldn't say it's all like if the Hornets are five games under 500 or a whatever, you know, kind of out of playoff contention as we as we reach trade deadline. Don't you know, don't rule out the fact or, or the idea that the Hornets could move Hayward. And I, <laughs> anyway, so I wanted to retouch on that. And the other thing is, I think Cody Martin and Gordon Hayward coming off the bench together is like super exciting to me. I, I, I'm, I'm here to listen to the people that think Martin should start. I, I'm not one of those, yeah, but yeah. I, but, but I like the more I look at this roster, I, I'm just like, man, there's just more depth here than I was like prepared for. Now that we're a month <laughs> away from the season, I'm starting to like really pay attention. So those two coming off the bench, I think just, I think can really create some problems uh, for, for your opponent. I could also see like, what well, last thing I'll say on, on Hayward as like the bench potential role I could see that also. I could see Hayward, especially if you get to some, maybe not like true full, like five man second units, but units that have like, you know, three or four more, um, three, you know, three plus or four second unit guys. I could see Hayward being like a guy that helps out Brandon Miller a little bit too. Hayward as like a, a guy that can post up. Um, can pass. Yeah, Brandon can, Miller, like the first sub out of the starting unit kind of situation. Bring, yeah, yeah, totally yeah. Or, or or even those guys playing together too. You know what I mean? Like I just think sort of similar to, to Lamelo's rookie season, the way Hayward helped as like a screen setter, post up guy, like just like a matchup guy because he can pass and shoot and post. It's not identical. Sorry, that's, what, that's what I meant, BJ. Yeah, like Brandon Miller, first sub out of the starting unit, and then yes. coming back on with that second yeah. unit, so he's yeah. getting minutes with Hayward. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like I can just like see some some ways that it works out. And again, one of the things that probably should be said too, this was part of one of my like initial reasons for two years ago why I thought Hayward kind of made some sense as a six man is like it just makes it easy to limit his minutes too, and like I mean that he's going to get hurt at some point inevitably, but like. It wouldn't hurt to put like to heed like a little bit of caution. Bringing him in in the second unit allows you to like I think massage that a little bit more easily too. It's a, it's a good point. Yeah. All right. The next award, the award that I've I guess I just haven't heard of, uh, but I guess it only started since 2016-17 is the Hustle Award, and actually Marcus Smart has already won this thing three different times. So you know when I think of this award, I think of like the scrappy nature of these players that are out there and they're looking for deflections. They're looking for screen assists. They're looking for loose balls. They're looking for charges drawn, like all that type of stuff that when you go to NBA.com, you see all those hustle stats. And I think when you look at the Hornets roster, you probably have to consider Richards, uh, PJ Washington, maybe JT Thor, Cody Martin. Those are the guys that are going to be in the conversation. And there's a part of me that wants to go Cody Martin. I know Spencer's been hyping him up on this episode, but there's a part of me that that wonders, like I, I don't know if I have enough confidence that he will be like healthy and fully recovered 
And there's that's like in the back of my mind whether or not he's going to be playing 70 games this season. So just to be different here, I'm going to go with Nick Richards, uh, a guy that led the team in screen assists for 36 minutes last year, even over Plumlee. He was first on the team in charges drawn, which actually was just like a, a piddly number. Like It was like really low. Like nobody drew charges last year. Now, that is something that Cardi, Cody Martin does well. He's not much of a deflections guy, but I think that he's always around the ball. Like with shot contest, he's always around the ball with offensive rebounds. He's going to be very active on the offensive glass. You know, I, I probably think Cody Martin is the better answer here, but part of me wonders, is he really going to be fully recovered and, and healthy to go? So I'm going to go Nick Richards. I'll go Cody. I think for me, I mean, you sort of laid out. I'll go short because you sort of mentioned it. Just like if you watch this team, um, Cody Martin makes winning plays. He has from the get-go. Um, I kind of think, I know we touched on his perimeter defense earlier. I kind of think the thing he does best defensively isn't just sort of like one-on-one defense or screen navigation, like mm-hmm. that type of stuff. I think it's, I think it's loose balls, long rebounds, taking charges, uh, chase down blocks. Like it's this sort of whether he's creating events or not, sometimes he is and he is capable of doing that. But it is sort of like the winning play, you know, the Hornets version of Marcus Smart, um, just like getting to 50 50 balls, regardless of like where it is, contesting shots, that type of stuff. So I'll say, um, I'll say Cody pretty convincingly, but to Richie's initial point too, like, I could see either of the centers on this roster, Williams or Richards, mm. just because blocks, deflections, rebounds, you know, that type of stuff, like them possibly being mentioned for it. But, but for me, it's it's Cody pretty uh, convincingly. All right. I'm going way off the map here, but I think you guys are going to like this. All right. So this guy kind of reminds me of like the F-35 that was flying around unmanned uh, on the <laughs> Carolina coast <laughs> the last few days, but I'm here for it. Uh, summer league, like I'm just in love at this point. I have no idea what to expect. He comes in the game. It's going to be a complete control chaos or, or just uncontrolled chaos situation. And this is also assuming he actually like carves out a role, but Nick Smith, I'm <laughs> so excited for him. Like he's a mix between like, like Dylan Brooks and, and, and Clarkson. Like, I don't even know like where to, where to place him yet. Like he's, he's a crazy energetic scoring machine like like at times and also just just everywhere at all times like I'm, I'm really excited to see what he becomes and that could be nothing but if he carves out a role i guarantee you he's going to be one of those guys that comes in the game and just changes it he's just going to change the energy of the game he's going to change the flow of it he's going to change the pace of it He's just like Charlotte really hadn't had a player like this in a while. And I'm really excited to see if he can carve out a role. Steve Clifford's the head coach. So I'm not like <laughs> bullish that he'll carve out a role. Yeah, yeah. But if he does, I'm telling you, he's going to change games for this team. Yeah. I think like Smith is interesting because it's like, I think there's potentially a role for him because I think like the center position is pretty like tied up. Um, no matter what uh, Kai Jones says, um, I think the rotation's pretty solid there. <laughs> and there's just like a lot of like, you know, sort of like wings, hybrid wing types. We haven't even mentioned JT Thor yet, you know, which, you know, it's it's a little tough because this is potentially a big year for him as year three. And there's just like a lot of guys that are kind of, um, you know, ahead of him. He had really like by the end of last season solidified himself as like PJ's backup spot starter when PJ was out. Uh, which didn't happen often, but so we'll see. We'll see if Thor can carve out a role, but like right now the backcourt is like LaMelo, Rozier, Neil Aquina. And I mean, I guess Cody Martin, but like he can obviously float down and be in the, the wing room too. Neil Aquina is a hell of a defender, but he's so strapped for offense. Um, I mean, the opportunity's I, there, BG. And yeah, I was right. really impressed. Like the most impressed I was of anything that Nick Smith did offensively is to create or not. Yeah not really a good creator for others, but he's not incompetent there. But like out of a pick and roll, like that dude could ball. He could yeah, score. He, he we, can make stuff happen. We, the Richie and I did a film pod on him uh, a couple of months like, around summer league play that that's worth digging up. If people listening to this haven't done it yet, where we kind of get into Smith and some of the stuff he did with the ball at Arkansas. I think Spencer was on that in too. In summer league. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Forgive yeah, me. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, Sorry, so I, I, for a while. 
<laughs> so, but I, I think it'd be that's like again, I like there's an opportunity, there's a pathway. There just is like an opportunity for a bench unit ball handler. Do you know what I mean? And I could see that being Rozier in some hybrid lineups. I could see that being Hayward in some of these scenarios that we were just mentioning. Um, it's just hard. Like Smith is young. There's going to be pressure to play like Brandon Miller, who's a rookie too. Mm-hmm. And it's just hard for me to see Steve Clifford with, <laughs> with a team that's like trying to make the playoffs, like playing multiple rookies in the rotation, plus like a second year guy and Mark Williams. And I, I just, I could see uh, at least in year one uh, Smith being like pinched a little bit, unless he just like plays great and it just forces the staff's uh, the coaching staff's hand on it. Yeah, I no, I I totally agree with you, BG. I mean, I, this is way way off the map, but he is the type of guy that would almost give a coach like Steve Clifford no choice, right? Because that guy's gonna he's gonna gamble more than any other young player in the roster, maybe <laughs> top five or top three young players in the league. He's just, that's just how he's built. You could see it jumps off the film immediately. You watch him play, you're like, this guy's just gonna go in there and make stuff happen, for better or for worse. All right, the last award I think is is the easiest one. We won't spend too much time on it. I've got a fun segment planned after this that Brian and Spencer are unaware of, but uh, the most valuable player, clearly LaMelo Ball. He raises the ceiling and the floor of this team dramatically when he's out there. Obviously, his injury history is is something to be a little bit worried about, but you know, obviously this was the easiest. If you guys want to speak up on LaMelo Ball and, and why he would be good for this award, go ahead, but do want to save some time for this last segment. Yeah, I had Bryce McGee. No, I'm just kidding. No, I've, I've got James Book Night. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've got uh, I've got Lamella. I have a really, really good feeling about this season for him. Last year was just the season from hell uh, for a few different reasons. Uh, but you know, it, th- there's a lot of stuff coming down the pike. Um, you know, he's so yes. We, we'll have plenty of time to talk about everything that's in Lamella's future, and hopefully, Charlotte's together. Uh, but I, I really think this guy is has got a chance to make another all all star team this year. Yeah, agreed. It's I think Lamelo pretty obviously. I mean, he's still young, what twenty two years old or whatever, still getting better. He's the best creator on this on this offense. He's one of the best passers in the league. Big time shooter. Um, you know the shot shot the shot selection not great at times. Uh, especially last season, uh, but but at other times in his career, but he can really shoot off the catch. Um, if he could make a leap as a pull-up guy, a, you know, a downhill finisher, get stronger, um, that type of stuff. You know, lock in a little bit more defense. There's just defensively, there's just some places like for low-hanging fruit for him to improve. And I would also say this: like I am, I'm a big fan of Tyrese Halliburton. Okay. I've liked him since his freshman year at Iowa State. I watched him play in the on 2019 on the U19 USA team that is like one of the all-time junior FIBA teams. Like you're gonna look back in 10 years, look at that roster and just cackle seeing Cade Cunningham, Halliburton, Evan Mobley, Scotty Barnes, Jalen Green, just a ridiculous team that the USA assembled. But um I love Halliburton. He's awesome. He was so much fun to watch play for Team USA in the FIBA World Cup this summer. And he had an amazing all-star year for Indiana. I I do kind of hope LaMelo is like has been noticing that like people have all of a sudden been sort of like treating those two guys like there's a huge gap between Ty- yeah. Tyrese Halliburton yeah. and LaMelo Ball. Yep. 100%. Especially the considering the fact that LaMelo Ball is almost 2 years younger than than Tyrese Halliburton. Um and Tyrus Halliburton got to play in Rick Carlisle's, you know, awesome offense last season while LaMelo, as Spencer just said, had the year from hell with injuries and just really the context around him could not have been worse. Those two guys to me are like they're on the same tier. Um, and if there is if there like if there was a gap at one point, it was LaMelo by a little bit. Maybe it's Halliburton by a little bit. Uh, but that story is like far from over. And and I just would hope that a guy as good as LaMelo, like a really, really, really special young player, that maybe he paid attention uh, and was seeing like where people were discussing a guy like Halliburton, um, where guys when when these like top, you know, ranking the X number of best players in the league, like there's been kind of some disrespect, I, in my opinion, thrown in the direction 
of uh, of Lamelo Ball. So I, I kind of hope he's kept an eye on that, um, in sort of specifically in the ways that like Halliburton, um, who there's some similarities between those two. They enter the league at the same year. Um, they do some dip, they do they have some similar things that they do, and but Halliburton just like is I think in a lot of ways like a media darling. Um, Lamelo obviously has a huge following too, but um, I, I just would love to see what like what Lamelo's move is with her with the way that like that tug of war goes uh, this season. Yeah, maybe you can use that as uh, motivation uh, moving forward. But I would agree, Brian. It, it seems like the gap appears bigger when you think about the NBA discussion online, but I, I don't think it actually is. Yeah. So we're going to do some NBA awards trivia. And I have you guys are going to be pitted against each other, Brian Ooh. versus Spencer. And uh, I have six questions, and I've numbered them one through six. I have to give credit to uh, the Athletics Podcast, Saturday Slam and Jam. They have uh, Saturday episodes where they do trivia on most of their episodes. Now, trivia is nothing new, but it's the format in which they do it. So, just to kind of give you the rules, Spencer, you'll go. You'll go first. Mm-hmm. You pick a number one through six. And I will read that question. If you get it correct, you get a point. If you get it incorrect, Brian will have a chance to steal for half a point. And uh, I'll just tally up the points at the end of them all. Mm. And hopefully these trivia questions are correct and I did not mess up uh, in my research here. So some of these are Hornets related or I, I try to tie in, you know, the state of Charlotte or the city of Charlotte, excuse me, or the Hornets into these. So Spencer, question one through six, pick a number. All right, let's go five. Question number five. Here we go. Listen carefully. Although there are a handful of players who are all-stars, the most improved player award is typically not filled with star players. And actually, there's only been one player who has won this award that's also in the Basketball Hall of Fame. So there's one most improved player that's also in the Basketball Hall of Fame. He played some of his high school basketball at Mount Zion Christian Academy in North Carolina and won this award while with the magic. I know this one. Um, this would be Tracy McGrady. You are correct. Mm-hmm. So it's a point Boom. in Spencer's favor. Brian, question number five is off the board, right. but you can go ahead and, and give me another question number. Let's do uh let's do three. Three. Okay, this one's a little bit different because this is actually potentially worth one and a half. Sorry, Spencer. Um, <laughs> you'll, you'll see why in a second. Okay, question three. The Charlotte Hornets. I'm going Maury, I'm going Maury Ball on trivia here. Yeah, <laughs> there's, a, there's another one like this. Chucking so. threes here. This feels yeah. a little bit fixed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's another one. There's another one like this. You just got to find it, Spencer. Yeah. Um, the Charlotte Hornets slash Bobcats have had three Rookie of the Year winners. I will give you a half a point, Brian, for each player that you can name who has won this award. Okay. Um, LaMelo Ball. Um, ding, ding, ding. Yeah, that one's a little bit easier. Larry Johnson. Correct. Mm. And then there's one other guy that I was thinking about here. Emeka Okafor. That is correct. Oh, so wow. you're at you're at one and a half points. Right. Uh, hopefully the Bobcats probably gave it away there, but yeah, I was going to yeah. say Baron Davis if he got that wrong. Okay. Hmm. All right, Spencer, you can pick one, two, four, or six. Well, I need to find that uh, gold. <laughs> the one and a half gold here. Uh, let's go. Let's go one. Oh, that was not the one. Okay, oh. uh, but this is this to me is probably the well. I don't want to jinx you here, but this is one of the easier ones, I think. Uh, this player is the only Charlotte Hornets player to win the NBA All-Star MVP. Mm. He scored 24 points in the second half of this game, breaking Wilt Chamberlain's 23 points in a single half in an All-Star game. So uh, this was back in Cleveland. Uh, I'm not going to tell you the year, but the only Charlotte Hornets player to win MVP in the All-Star game. I hope I don't uh, outthink myself here. Um I mean, it's one of two guys. Is it? Is it? Uh, is it Larry Johnson? No, it's Alonzo Mourning. Can I steal? No, can I steal? Ne- neither. Can I go ahead and steal? Glenn Rice. It is Glenn oh, Rice for half a point. Gosh. Mm. All right. Um, wow. What year was that? Four, that was a really nine, good one. 97. Yeah. 97. I completely forgot about that. Jeez. All right. 
All right, go ahead, Brian. Two, four, or six? Uh, let's go four. Oh, gosh. He found the other one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This one actually is, is pretty interesting. And obviously, Spencer, you still have a chance to steal uh, if he does not get any of these. Uh, since 1982, 1983, they've been handing out the Defensive Player of the Year. While no Charlotte Hornets player has ever won this award, shockingly, there have been three <laughs> players who have won this award, but who have also at one point played in Charlotte. So they didn't win in Charlotte, Ooh. but at one point in their career, they did play for Charlotte, if that makes any sense. Oh, man. Yeah, that one's... Whew. So one's th you said three? Yeah, there have been three players that have won Defensive Player of the Year who also at one point have played in Charlotte. Okay. But they didn't win it with Charlotte. Uh, well, one of them is Dwight Howard. That is correct. Well, that's up half a point. Yeah, that's that's one of the easier ones. Um, Tyson Chandler. Wow, that's the one that I did not think that you would get. Tyson Chandler. Wow. That's, a, that's another half point. Um, mm. I do think I know this one. I think. Is it Stacy Ogman? Oh, that's... <laughs> Well, I like yeah. that. I like that guess. The uh, the pla is this plastic man was that yeah, his name? the um, elastic man. <laughs> no, no, that is not the answer. Uh, so Dwight Howard, a half a point. Tyson Chandler, a half a point. Uh, Spencer, you get a chance to steal for half a point. Is it Robert Parrish? No. Yeah. It, did he win Defensive Player of the Year? If he did, then I'm, I'm mistaken. I don't think he was. I don't think he won Deep Boy. Okay. But that's not a bad guess. Was it morning? So God, that was such a oh man. That was kind that's of a, more obvious than I was thinking. Yeah, we yeah. we we like galaxy brain that one, Spencer. Yeah, I, I was gonna say Derek Coleman next. Yeah, yeah, Matt Geiger. <laughs> We're just li listing off nineties <laughs> in early aughts centers. Um, Bismack Biombo. Um, man, Zoe is. I feel bad about. So I guess he won it in Miami. Miami twice. Oh, I thought yeah. maybe Parrish would have gotten one in Boston. I don't. Yeah. 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 All right. All right, Spencer, you are up. You have an option between two and six. Are there any more point and a half? <laughs> um, I don't. <laughs> uh, no, no. These are all, all right. singular answers. Uh, let's go to. All right. Question number two. Three coaches are tied for the most coach of the year awards with three. Two of those are Pat Riley and Greg Popovich. The third one, maybe maybe a little bit less known for you know the younger crowd, but he might be best known for his uh, days in Dallas, but he actually won his award in Milwaukee where he began his career, and when he ended his career with the Golden State Warriors, that's where his career ended. So name that coach. He coached in Dallas, he coached in Milwaukee, and he ended his career with the Warriors. He's no longer coaching? He is no longer coaching. Yeah, I believe he's a business owner in Hawaii now. Uh, who I'm thinking I, of. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes. Um, I, I'm looking at his face <laughs> and his beard <laughs> in my head. I'm literally looking at his face. I'll give you guy. a clue. Okay. He coached Baron Davis with the Warriors. Yeah, he played yeah. for the I, played I, for the Celtics too back in the day. Oh my gosh! Yeah, he's a hippie now. I, I, yeah. I can see his face. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he. Why, owns why like am a, I he, blanking on his he, name? Yeah, um, he, he's like a weed guy in Hawaii now. I'm pretty sure. If it's any consolation, Spencer, even if you get this right, there's no way mathematically you yeah, can get this. I, but I, uh, I I'm, I'm, I'm just literally blanking on his name, but I can I can see his face. Anyways, tell me because I can't figure it out right now. Oh know, well, I guess me. Brian, you get a chance to steal. Don yeah. Nelson. Don Nelson. Don Nelson. Don Nelson. When you said Dallas, hey coach, I was going to say Rick Carlisle because I would imagine he's got at least two. Yeah. But, I don't know about I don't know how many he has, but yeah, like I I think of yeah Carlisle and Dallas more than I do so in, in Indiana. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, sure. for sure. Don or Nelson. Yeah, living his best life. Yeah, he retirement seems to have like done him well. Uh, honestly, <laughs> good for him. All right, I guess question six will go to you, Brian, and we'll finish it off. You can get one point, or Spencer can steal it for half a point. Uh, there have been a handful of times that a Charlotte Hornets player has made the All Defensive Team. Although there's only one player who has won it twice, I guess not won it, but has been on the all defensive team twice in a Charlotte uniform. Name that player. Uh, 
crash Gerald Wallace. I believe he's only done it once, Ooh. but that's a, that's a good guess. Dang. All hmm. right. Never mind. Any guesses, Spencer? A player on Charlotte who's won it twice, been on the all-defensive team twice in Charlotte. Man. Late 90s. Oh, I know who it is. Yeah. Dang. Steel. He, won his, he won his other one in the Lakers. Steel's, other one Steel's the machine. Lakers. Steel's machine. Steel's guy. Yeah. yeah. Temple. Temple. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's a good one steals machine went to temple yeah that doesn't tip me off um i do i I do not know this one eddie jones all right eddie jones eddie jones uh, 99 wow uh, see i would have uh as as i get older i would have pegged eddie jones as more of like an offensive uh, award kind of guy. Wow. Okay. I, I remember from like my young, like early fantasy basketball days, he was always like a sneaky guy because he hit threes and got steals. Like that's what I'm drawing hmm. from to, to 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 remember that actually. Um, I was so I, I almost guessed Bobby Phils, but yeah, when you said late nineties, I was yeah. like, no, that that takes yeah. that out. Um, interesting. That was, that was, that was fun. That was a good game. Yeah. Okay. Good. Love a little trivia here and there. Yeah. Hopefully I was accurate in my statements and there's not someone out there that, um, you know, maybe you guys guessed a correct <laughs> answer and I'm just wrong. But. Well, I'm a very poor loser. So the first thing I'm going to do when this podcast ends is go fact check all of this. Yeah. Yes, please do. <laughs> I'm pulling up Don and, Nelson's basketball reference page yeah, uh, right. Right, right now. I got Wikipedia up on the phone too. <laughs> and the fact that Brian got both of those questions that were worth mm. 1.5. Yeah, wow, before you hey. like Spencer is going to be uh, by next week. Spencer is going to be at a basketball camp in China, <laughs> saying that he'll never ever play <laughs> trivia or appear on a podcast with uh, Richie or Brian uh, ever again. So, or I'll be in China at a Buffalo Wild Wings playing basketball. Yeah. Camp. <laughs> one or the other. <laughs> one of the two. One, One of the, the two. two. By the way, uh, salute to Kelly Oubre, the newest member of the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, he'll have a couple good games for them next season. Um, end of analysis. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I really do think that I, I tweeted about this yesterday, but just like this Ramona Shelburne report that came out a couple of weeks ago and she was on the low post the other day talking about it, how like Embiid is intrigued by playing and like having a system in Philadelphia that's like a little bit closer to, you know, Jokic and Denver, which like really that comes down to like, you know, Embiid doesn't actually want to play that way. He doesn't pass as well as Jokic. And no. also like James Harden doesn't want to play that way either, like cutting, moving without the ball, you know, zipping off a bunch of dribble handoffs during every possession. But like bringing in a Kelly Oubre type as like the first signing, like eight days after Joel Embiid is like, ah. Oh, Wow, we should do more read and react motion stuff on offense. It's like, well, not not a uh, <laughs> not based off of these uh, this most recent uh, edition. Is that going to come to fruition? But look, Kelly's got tools. He's athletic. He can shoot off movement. You can do some pin downs and handoff stuff with him, and he'll get hot a couple of nights per season. But like anything more than that, um, I don't know. This just does really look like. I hope it's not the case. Like I want Embiid to stay in Philadelphia, but man, this is like set up to be like end stage, you know, yeah, for this for Embiid. Like, this is just like all this like that that notification hit my phone when I was on a walk yesterday, and I was like, oh god, like this is the, just the, it's time know. to create the world's largest red carpet from Philadelphia yeah, to yeah. New York. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. this is about to happen. This also, is, I can't uh, wait for the Kelly Oubre Ball's Life YouTube video in like early <laughs> February. <laughs> Where he goes off for like 30 in the second half and the Sixers win by two or something. It's like, see, told you guys, this guy's we, not washed up. We uh, we were joking during the season at some point, like on one of the pods, how like how much like Ubre's agent must have been hammering home that like he was averaging 20 points per game, which like is true. Like it's objectively yeah. true. Like he averaged 20 points per game on, you know, however many shots with an insane usage rate. Granted, like... You know, that's what that's what the coaching staff was asking him to do. Like they needed someone to absorb those possessions and they were so depleted on the wing that it became Ubre. So like I'm not even like blaming Kelly. It's just like it was so funny to see like in the Woj tweet it being like 
you know, Kelly Oubre averaged 20 points per game. I could just like imagine like as copy paste from the agency. No, hundred percent. Like, but like with a note from the agent being like, look, make sure you mention 20 points per game. You know what I mean? Like make sure you get that in there. Uh, yeah, all of that just kind of made me laugh. Um, laugh a little bit. I don't know. Let's just hope for a jump from Tyrese Maxey this season. I I want like Philadelphia to, to be good and, and work, but I don't know. I'm worried in the addition of Kelly Oubre uh, does not uh, assuage some of my uh, worst anxieties for how that team could play out this season. Yeah, and they lost a really good player in Jalen McDaniels as well. So, <laughs> Wait, remind me. Where, who's Toronto. 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 Oh, right. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. I still can't get over that one. That trade was just. Yeah. It's just it is stupid. It was bad. All right. Yeah. All right, guys. We're going to go ahead and wrap here. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Let us know on Twitter, on X, whatever you want to call it these days, how we did with these awards. And you guys can definitely uh, give Spencer a hard time for the trivia answer. So uh, for Brian, for Spencer, I'm Richie. We'll talk to you guys later.